You're listening to the best of the day. I say you, you the best. And Good morning, Vancouver 602 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Footwear Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. And did you know that uh, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, that's Canada's favorite orthotics provider. I was not aware of that. uh, Yes, you were, because I've said it multiple times on the show before. Supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. Thank you, Jason. I turn the microphone over to the A-Dog, Andy Cole. Good morning, A-Dog. Good morning. How are you feeling? Uh, Well, you know, I'm waking up. I only ask because it seems as though the three of us had a rough night last night sleep-wise. I went to bed a bit too late, you know. Now, if you don't mind me prying into your personal life, you and Mrs. A-Dog, what time did you guys go to sleep last night? Well, she usually falls asleep later than me, but I, I, I try to get in bed by 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Last night, I probably more like 11. Ooh. Just, oh, just wanted to watch some Breaking Bad, you know? You're, you're crazy, man. <laughs> I know, I'm a wild crazy. one. 11 o'clock? Played, oh. a bit of, played a bit of canasta for an hour, and then uh, <laughs> put my socks on and crawled into bed. <laughs> Alfred and Brough in the Morning is brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Your Kubota all-star team, avenuemachinery.ca. Or DouglasLakeEquipment.com. Finally, Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. What do these three tired dudes have in store for you today? You may be asking. Well, four guests to serve you better. We're going to begin the guest rundown. 6.30, Peter Galindo, Sportsnet soccer writer, is going to join us today. Canada will announce its roster for those two friendlies that they have with Uruguay and Qatar ahead of the World Cup. They also have one against Japan a week out of the World Cup, but this is the first real, how will I classify it, exhibition preseason campaign of great importance for this club. And John Herbin's going to announce his roster today. Peter will break it down for us ahead of the roster announcement. What are some of the key decisions that John Herbin has to make? You know, it's interesting because... There are some decisions at the bottom end of the roster. Like Cavallini? Right. Like, I don't know. I mean, he certainly hasn't played his way into anybody's heart recently, especially with his late run of play with the Vancouver Whitecaps. So there will be some decisions, basically, who gets on the plane and who doesn't. There were some decisions in the hanging in the balance because there are some dual nationals that have yet to decide who they want to represent internationally. Mm-hmm. Some people thought that Herdman could use the World Cup as a dangling carrot, like maybe you want to commit to Canada because you'll get to go to the World Cup. We'll ask Peter That'd about be interesting. that. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, and that is and force a guy off that's, that's been right. like super loyal to the program. <laughs> hey, longtime Canadian person, you're not going to Qatar. So I'll talk to Peter about that at six thirty as we look ahead, not just to the roster announcement, but to, to those two aforementioned friendlies. Seven o'clock, Connor McGahee. Now we've had Connor on the show a bunch because. Uh, during the Colorado Avalanche run to the Stanley Cup, he was doing play-by-play for Altitude TV. What we learned while talking with Connor is that he's also the PA announcer for the Denver Broncos. He's an employee of the Denver Broncos. So we thought, hey, let's have him on and make fun of Russell Wilson. Right, yeah. He was really appreciative when I booked him. He's like, thanks for booking me after the Broncos lose. This is great. (laughs) You're welcome. Looking forward to it. Can't wait, Connor. He's going to join us at 7 o'clock. Three guesses about what we're going to talk about there. You know, I just wanted to say that. Yes. Um, so I, I was reading some things uh, last night um, just about the Seahawks win over the Broncos, and a lot of writers have pointed out 
just the, I won't say it's weird, but the remarkable amount of glee that former Seahawks yep. have taken in the Seahawks winning over Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. You just really have to wonder. So was he not well-liked in the room or something? Apparently or? Not. Clearly. Apparently not. And maybe more so than we ever thought. I think you and I, especially, haven't followed yeah. the team as closely as we did. We had an understanding that a lot of the guys... Now, here's how I saw it. A lot of the guys on defense didn't like that Russell Wilson was getting that much shine and that much love because they mm-hmm. were like, wait a minute, this is one of the greatest defensive units of all time. We kind of went out and led the team to these Super right. Bowls. It obviously extends beyond that because one of the guys that was very... You can't say vocal because it was on social media, but very present on social media, like chirping Russell Wilson, was Doug Baldwin. Yeah, part of the offense. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it does come down to a little bit of what Dave Softy Mahler said on our show the other day that Russ just isn't that likable a guy. Yeah. If you got stuck with him in your force at golf, you'd be like, "This uh, is going to be a long be four a long. and a half hours. Right. Maybe I can yeah. leave after nine. And you wouldn't go out <laughs> for beers with him. He's yeah. not a go out for beers guy. So. We'll talk to I, I, I just wonder how much that Super Bowl loss just accelerated all those feelings as well. Oh, I, I doubt it helped considering all the leaks afterwards. It's like Russ called an audible at the line. That was Russ's decision. Russ wanted to win MVP by throwing the game winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. Right? Yeah. Th- those are the great conspiracy theories that are out there. I'm not even sure they're conspiracy theories anymore. Mm-hmm. My head's all twisted around. I've been on the dark web reading stuff. Now I'm, I'm all twisted around. I got a whole bunch of lists. <laughs> you should see the Russell Wilson content on the dark web. It is fascinating. Um, so we'll talk to Connor McGahey at 7, but we've got some great audio about what Jason's talking about from Pete Carroll, who did radio yesterday and got asked about, why are so many of your former players so gleeful that Russell Wilson lost in, their retur- in his return to Seattle? Oh, he was asked that. Oh yeah, it was it was a really interesting remark, and you know uh, we'll we'll play it later. That's okay. a tease. Okay. That's how you do it in the radio industry. Uh, Seven forty five as we continue the guest rundown. David Quadrelli is going to join us from Canucks Army. Uh, we'll get a recap of yesterday's news from Eight Rinks Scotia Barn out in Burnaby. Uh, Quinn Hughes on the right side of the defense, and Petey met with the media. Those were the two big takeaways there. Eight o'clock. Excited to have this guest back on the program for the second time. Cat uh, Jamie who is the director of The Grizzly Truth. And that is the new Vancouver Grizzlies documentary she's got coming out, kind of digging and peeling the layers back as to why the team left Vancouver, the causes for it, the reasons for it. She, of course, was on this show a few years ago, back when we were at 1040. She was in studio when she released Finding Big Country, which Mm -hmm. was her first Vancouver Grizzlies documentary. So excited to talk to Kat at 8 o'clock. 7.45, 7.45, it's Quadrelli. 7 o'clock, it's Connor McGahee. 6.30, it's Peter Galindo. As for the Sprots this evening, uh, the Jays continue their series versus the Rays. Got a big split in the doubleheader yesterday, so they've won the first two or three there. Ah, uh, your beloved Vancouver Whitecaps play out the string tonight at home against the LA Galaxy. That is a game. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I don't know why, but I'm going to go. I I've have tickets, so I've I got, should go. I've got tickets for the uh, October 1st game. Seattle game? Uh, no, 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 no. The the Whitecaps game. Are they? I think they're playing Seattle. On no, October it's 1st. Austin. Oh, it's Austin. Okay, it's Austin. Se- Seattle's on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So it's so it's their last. It's their last match. Their last home match of the season. And I actually bid on these tickets in a silent auction. And I was thinking when I when I got them, I was like, ah, you know, like maybe that game will be big. It won't be big. Sure, you were speculating. That's good. 
Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, most it people was do for it. a good cause. Yeah, most people do it with like stocks and mining. You did it with white caps. The, uh, the like tickets it. came with four scarves too, so the, most of the value in the purchase was scarf related. <laughs> Sir, are you bidding silently on scarves? Yes. Like, yes. Yes, I am. Speaking of the football, Champions League back today. Big day yesterday. Huge win for Liverpool at the death. Uh, today you got Napoli Rangers. Today you have the Erling Holland Bowl, Man City and his former team Borussia Dortmund. And Benfica plays Juve. So a lot of good games on today as well. So wait a minute. Liverpool and Rangers are in the same group? Yeah. Oh, that'll be interesting. That group is awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a bunch of sports to talk about uh, tonight, to watch tonight as well. But we need to go back and look at everything that happened yesterday. Hey, dog. Let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? So, I've kind of coined it the triumvirate of very important Canucks forwards. And we've heard from two of them already. We heard from JT Miller after he signed his extension. We heard from Bo Horvat the other day as he awaits an extension. And yesterday, the media finally got to meet with Elias Pettersson. Petey speaks. Petey meets with the media at eight ranks. Sorry, Scotiabarn. Out in Burnaby yesterday. Um, It was an interesting conversation because a lot of people... When you're talking with Pedersen, the question still kind of remains, what the heck happened last year with you? Yeah. What was up with you last year? And it was a real tale of two seasons, as he put it. It was basically two different me's out there. Yeah, I liked that quote. It was two different me's. That's a tough one to transcribe. First half me, not mm-hmm. great. Second half me, back to normal. Out of curiosity, do you know how to properly spell me's? M-E-S. M-E-S, apparently. No apostrophe, no punctuation. I'm yeah. looking at it on NHL.com why, right now. Why would you use an apostrophe? I don't know. I've never seen the, the, the word Mies. It looks like Mez, right. actually, when you look at it. I'm like, yeah. there's, there was basically two different Mez out there. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, oh, Petey. I actually watched his uh, his his hit. The, the, the Canucks account uh, tweeted out the video of his uh, availability. And it was typical Petey in that you can tell there's always a real hesitancy to, in his mind, overshare. Like, he gives you a little bit of a clue, yeah, but he really doesn't let you in. And I found it interesting that on a few occasions, including once on our show, but again last night, he made references to not making, to not wanting to make a headline. Like, he didn't want to say anything that was so grabby that the jackals here in Vancouver would run with that and maybe take his words out of context. I don't know what he's thinking. I'm now taking his words out of context (laughs) and starting to extrapolate (laughs) his comments. Um, Like, I get it. I I really get it. But I think when you you kind of parse through his words, which, again, is something he probably doesn't want us to do, Um, he was really in his own head last, last season, especially early on. Like he was, he was a little bit lost. Should we hear from the man himself rather than parse his words? No, I'd I'd like to continue to parse his words and maybe do like an amateur psychological evaluation of Elias Pettersson. I think that would be responsible. That feels like the responsible big J journalism thing to do. What is really 
really driving Elias Pettersson? What is he running from? What is he fearful of? We should put his words in the Google Translator, translate it from English to Swedish, and then back to English. I've booked a psychologist for the show. <laughs> nice. At least, at least he's, at, he says he's one. Um, he's in the inbox right now. <laughs> all joking aside, let's hear from Elias Pettersson now on the mental side of his game and how, as Jason said, he doesn't want it to be a headline. I mean, I don't want it to be a headline at all. Like a lot of what you learned up with that, or is that just was it all just no? I don't want to think. I mean, I don't want it to be a headline that otherwise I <laughs> I met a mental coach and now I'm feel good against. I didn't do that. <laughs> uh, I I mean, I like to. I'm pretty stubborn myself, and I'm I always talk to my parents after every game. I talk to my brothers and oh, brother. I don't have uh, and just. The people closest to me, um, those are the ones I talk to the most. So he went on to say his start last season wasn't the way he wanted to start, obviously. But he said he's grown from that. Uh, said he played with more confidence at the end of the season. I thought this was an interesting mark that he said he was somewhat happy that he went through last season. Yeah. Because he learned how to get out of it. He learned why it happened. Now, he didn't go into these reasons again. Um, Time and, to parse. And he also actually said, I don't have the exact answer why it happened. I like to think I've learned from it. So, with all that he said mm-hmm. and all that he went through, and he said he has a reasonable confidence that he knows what happened and how he got out of it, I think it just... Um, I think it just reemphasizes how important it is for him to get off to a good start to the season. Otherwise, maybe he's back in his head. And also, if he doesn't get off to a good start to the season, it makes it harder for his team to get off to a good start to the season. And we all know how important it is for the Canucks to get off to a good start to the season. For me, he is the guy to watch in yeah. preseason and training camp, even though Yesterday, we said Thatcher Demko is the most important player on the team. And even though JT Miller has signed this big contract extension that a lot of people were like, oh, I don't know if you should do that. Elias Pettersson is the guy for me to watch. Well, I mean, I think you could make a direct correlation and, you know, who knows what caused what, what the chicken, what the egg. But the first half of the season is what sunk the Canucks and ultimately kept them out of the playoffs. The first half of the season is when Pettersson really, really, and let me emphasize, really struggled. With his game now, and by the way, he didn't want to hear any of the excuses that people were making for him last season, I'll talking just, yeah. about his wrist or you know he went to a new stick or something along those lines. Like everything that we were saying on this show, that he just looks like he has no confidence. He looks like he's 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 lost even his ability to handle the puck, um, and it's just a completely mental thing. Like he basically admitted, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like no excuses. And I loved hearing that, mm-hmm. like no excuses. I just lost my confidence. Uh, he said, um, he was focusing on the wrong things, uh, what people wanted to see from him as opposed to his own game. What got him to that point? I thought it was, it was, it was, um, I, I, I liked the availability. Like it was typical PD in that he was a little bit guarded sure, or even a lot guarded. Um, but. You know, I, I have high hopes for him this season. I think he's going to have a good season. He needs to have a good season, uh, not only for the Canucks next season, but I think big picture for the franchise. If he doesn't have a good season, and it's one of those situations where 
you can't trust him and you don't know what's going to happen on a night-to-night basis or at the beginning of the season or at the end of the season, it's hard to commit to this guy long-term for the type of contract that he's going to command. Yeah, if you're going to go with, is he on the rise or is this going to be a recurring theme, the inconsistencies, which you mentioned in the notes, and I, I think there's something to that, is if there's something you want to see more out of his game, it's probably consistency on a night-to-night basis. However... At the same time, it's funny the way that we talk about him because if you take a step back, if you were to take Pedersen off the nameplate and just show the case study from the player, you'd say, here is player X. He's 23 years old. He had a career high in points last year with 68. And in the second half of the season, he had 51 points in 43 games. You'd yeah. be like, where do I sign up? This guy sounds amazing. Totally, totally. Is, is he it's young? incredible that yes. he got to 32 goals with the way he played in the first half of the yeah. season. Now, we got a few texts into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, two words why he didn't have a good start. Travis Green. Now, I think he would push back on that. Maybe... Uh, he was referring to Travis Green, where he's where he was talking about, um, you know, I was I was too worried about what others the other how others wanted me to play. But remember, he continued to play not so good long after Travis Green had been fired. Mm-hmm. Bruce Boudreaux had been the coach for a while, and remember what we said when Bruce Boudreaux was hired, because we certainly didn't think that the Canucks were going to take any shot at the playoffs. We said Bruce Boudreaux's number one goal. Number one objective should be to salvage Petey. And it didn't happen overnight. The team played better. The team started getting some wins. But Petey did not play well right away under Bruce Boudreaux. Now, eventually Boudreaux might have helped him out. His positive message might have helped Petey. But I think if you listen to what Petey had to say, Petey got himself out of it. He found his way out. He really took off. It was basically, I mean, you look at the game logs from last year, and he kind of started to heat up a little bit at the end of December, but it was really January where it took off. And remember, Boudreaux took over the beginning of January. I do think that there's a correlation there between maybe the style that Boudreaux implemented and the approach. Because, and again, it was, I don't know, man. He was just like, he just completely, I'm I'm not saying it turned around. I'm just saying it probably helped. It probably helped because it looked like everything was bad under Green when he got fired. People were down. Guys were down. Yeah. They looked stagnant. They sure. looked like they were thinking the game. I'm not saying that. Oh, look, the, the beauty of Boudreaux is in its simplicity, one. And two, look at everywhere that he's coached. The big stars mm. always thrive because you know what he says? These guys are great hockey players. I just let them play. And and I think there's something. Maybe. Yeah. There's some validity to that. There's a reason that Ovi and Backstrom and Kuznetsov had monster offensive numbers under Boudreaux because he's like, just you're you're better than this than I ever was. Go do your thing. And then Anaheim, he had really good offensive performances out of the high powered guys. Minnesota was a little bit of a different situation, but he still coaxed some really. Remember what he, remember Eric Stahl? Yeah, like that. He manages to get guys to produce offensively. Did Boudreaux right. even coach Kuznetsov? <laughs> In, in Washington? Yeah. yeah, they must have overlapped during his time there. Whatever. Doesn't really Regardless, matter. the guys that had the big offensive productions were the frontline no, guys. I, I, and I then know go, Sorry, mean. and I'll just continue to go last year. Take away Pedersen even out of the conversation as a one-on-one thing. I mean, look at the production that JT Miller had. Yeah, but right? we're talking about Petey here. No, we're talking about Petey here and, and, and what happened to him last season and how he got out of it. Because remember, one of the big criticisms of Petey was that when the team started to do well, Petey was still pouting. 
Petey still looked like his body language was, uh, well, didn't look like his body language. His body language was bad. And I remember thinking like, Petey, you gotta, you can't be doing that. You can't be pouting on the bench while your team is celebrating a win. Like that cannot happen. Which brings us to the question of what are expectations for Petey this season? And for me, it's not any specific point total. Like I actually hate doing that. Like Hmm. I expect like 80 points, right? Like, okay. I expect 80 points. It's, it's for me, it's just consistent excellence, right? Like consistent elite play. You can't be wondering if he's going to show up on any given night. And I will reiterate, no moping. Mm. Don't let them see you sweat. Don't let the losses get to you. Don't let the losses get get to you. Turn that frown. But it's not even the losses. You know, Andy, that was the thing. Like, he, he was... It was, it was, it became like he, I think he was too inwardly focused, right? And, and I get he has high expectations for himself. And I get that it's easier said than done not to show your frustration on the ice. It's funny, JT Miller has the same uh, challenge in some ways. And he's admitted that, you know, he, he needs to maybe, um, well, he, we, we went over the whole JT Miller psychological thing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, a little while ago when, when he signed his extension, but, He's admitted that he needs to maybe channel his emotions a little bit better. Um, just don't bring your teammates down on the bench. I think that's really important because if you've got anyone that's played a team sport um, and the team has a goal, but you've got a teammate on the bench beside you that is in his own head or um, just not in sync with the team, sure. it's distracting. And it's bothering because you got to spend a lot of time like trying to bring that guy up too. Well, it's worth mentioning. You know, like, don't worry yeah. about it, man. Like, let's go. It's worth mentioning because they've got a guy in Pedersen who's awfully outward, outwardly demonstrative in his frustration with the, the face and the shoulders and and how would you call it? Call it skulking, sulking? Maybe that's yeah. a fair moping. You've got that, and you've also got JT Miller who is also very outwardly demonstrative in his frustration. So it's probably a lot. For the guy who's kind of stuck in between. Like, imagine being the, you know, like, these are the two grocery sticks on the outside. You're like, this is awful, right? Like, I don't, I, you know. So there, there's that, definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I see where you're coming with that. For me, the expectations and the question that I have about expectations is, can he play more than what he's playing right now? Because if you look at his ice time over his first three years in the NHL, he's an 18, 18 and a half minute per night guy, which is great. <laughs> Well, remember early on in the season, he was playing about 14 yeah, minutes. Yeah, and it was like, <laughs> uh, you might even be getting less than that next if you don't pull this together. Like It was yeah. low, low. <laughs> now, I do wonder, one, if he's capable of playing extra minutes, and two, if it's even realistic with Horvat and Miller in the lineup. Because, well, I think it is. Well, let, let me just tack it on. The first and second forwards in terms of ice time last year were Miller, who averaged 21 minutes a night, and Horvat, who averaged 19. And what has the team said about JT Miller's ice time? They want to decrease it. Yeah. So my, the first thing that popped into my mind, Grapes, was does that mean that PD all of a sudden starts to look like a 20-minute-a-night guy mm-hmm. like Miller's been and often more? Depends where he's in and where he's playing in the lineup. Depends if he's playing center. Depends if he's yep. penalty killing. Like well, That's the big one for me is the so, penalty kill, yeah, right? Yeah, so, so much of ice time, like when Kessler was um, uh, on the Canucks, right? He played a lot of ice time. Not just because he played a lot five on five. He was a part of the power play. He was a big part of the penalty kill, yeah. right? So special teams has a big role in that. Like, uh, I, 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 know, I know we're up against it for time, but like with the penalty kill, should be the ones doing it, and all of them should be getting cracks at it. Well, if they're good at it. 
if they're not, then try somebody else. Yeah. But it should be a. I didn't really want to see the Sedins on the PK. Yeah, I, I disagree. If they were good at it, and I think no, but seeing, they wouldn't have been. Yeah, but if you're if you're good at it, and the, also the other thing too is like I I look at how I feel like Brad Marshawn has almost kind of redefined what that job can be, what you can do in those minutes because he's. He becomes well, Datsuk did it. Like all these guys, really good players, all the Selkie guys have to kill penalties in order to win the Selkie. Right. Really. Just, yeah. I just look at it's funny because you look at the, the high end offensive production that he gives you. Yeah. And on a team that's so top heavy in Boston, you'd kind of have the inclination like maybe we don't put him out there. Mm-hmm. There's the chance for injury. Sure. You know, all that stuff. But then he goes out and uh shorthanded is a real weapon, right? I'm not a big fan of shielding guys from injury. It's hockey. You yeah, exactly. Play, you gotta play the you game. You can get hurt doing it at any point. You gotta play right? the game. So Anyway, uh, before we go to break, we got a couple things that we need to do. Actually, we're not doing that until 7 o'clock. I reread, I misread my timesheet. So I'll just let you know that coming up on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, we are going to dabble into some. F- we look ahead to the announcement of Canada's roster for these World Cup friendlies that are coming up. Uh, we have a big show ahead. We have lots of Canucks talk, lots of other things that we can get into as well. Thursday night football is just on the horizon, and we're going to talk some Denver Broncos with Connor McGahee, who is the PA announcer for the Broncos. We're also going to play some really cool audio from Pete Carroll yesterday, where he was talking about the aftermath of the win against the Broncos and Russell Wilson and how it meant so much to guys that aren't even on the roster anymore in Seattle. It's a big show. Don't go anywhere. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. Eight thirty-three on a Wednesday. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. This hour of Halford and Bruff is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet, Campbell-Pound.com today. We are also brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. I'm still laughing with that zinc drop. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Come back. <laughs> We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Our show does not have 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Okay, what we learned time. Now, I'll start because I promised this to Sean and Delta and the dozens of listeners that want to hear about the Toronto Blue Jays. So I learned yesterday that... uh, Alec Manoa had his flu game. He actually posted a picture of Jordan and Pippen after their flu game, more specifically Jordan's flu game. So he was not feeling well overnight. Said he was tossing and turning in bed, couldn't keep anything down. It was up till 6.30 in the morning. Yeah. Then his alarm went off. He fell asleep. His alarm went off at 8, and he, he called the trainer. I don't feel so good. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to still go in the first of the doubleheader against the Rays. They said no. So they hooked him up to an IV. He went back. He went to bed. He woke up at 2.30 in the afternoon, got up, got another IV, and then went out. And that's, got... a, that's what you do every day, though. Every day. I know what Alec Manoa's <laughs> life is like. I just don't do the IVs. We actually have an IV hooked up in the studio. You can see it on the stream. It's connected to Halford right now. It makes me feel so much better. 
It really does. I'm able, to, in it for some reason. <laughs> I'm able to go out and deal. So anyway, Manoa was great in the second. They got the split in the doubleheader. So they are now 80 and 62. They're a half game ahead of the Rays, who they're in a series with right now. We all know what the playoff teams are going to be. The question is, how are they going to shake out? I need a Jays Mariners series. Yeah. See, I go back and forth amazing. on this. Yeah. Oh. I think it would be great. Oh, it'd be so good. I just, you know, the problem with the wild cards is over so quickly, right? The the two teams have never made the playoffs in the same year. Imagine if they did, and then uh, they made they played each other. Which, I wish which they, they could match they, up they in an actual could. series. I mean, if they match up in in a one game wild card, it's not a one game anymore. No, but you know what? I, three. Okay, if you, even if you go whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. I would love to see them in a real series, like a to, best of seven. Yeah, to, but to move on to yeah the World Series or whatever. Like, that that's what I'd like to see, right? Well, how about the ALCS? Yeah, the best of three, and and, and I know the one-gamers are gone. I should have... Well, it's either going to be the, the the first round or yeah. it's going to be the ALCS. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I would like to see. I think see. it's way more likely that it's going to be the first round or the wildcard round or whatever yeah. they're calling it now. The condensed series are, are great. They're fun. They're entertaining, but they're often over like that, mm-hmm. right? If you, got, if you have... Two studs. I don't know, man. I take it. I I, I, I would take I would it. Take. Don't get me wrong. But if you have two studs kind of at the top of your in the hand type of thing, yeah. I, I I would just love to see that. If you have two studs at the top of your rotation, which it, granted a lot of the playoff teams are built that way. Yeah. Right. And you're you're looking at it where it's like you lose two games and it's over. It'll be like the Abbotsford Canucks playoff run last year. Remember that? Yeah, but you could say both like, the hey, Mariners. It's the best of three. But you could say both the Mariners and the Jays have the potential for that. I no, think it's a great matchup. I it would be a lot of fun. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I like for Vancouver. It. Yeah. It'd be hilarious. Like, who's into this series? Toronto, Seattle. And for some reason, Vancouver is very interested in this series mm-hmm. because we've always, when it comes to the Mariners and the Blue Jays, um, it's never really been a rivalry in the sense that they've never been good at the same time. Right. You had the Blue Jays who were really good in the 80s, yep. in, in the early 90s. And then they went through a long string of mediocrity. Um, And you had the Mariners who were just dreadful to start their franchise and then had like a seven-year run in the late 90s, just after the Jays, a few years after the Jays had won their World Series and kind of fallen off. Then the Mariners, out of nowhere really, became this really strong team for about six or seven years. And then they've gone away until like now. Well, it's, and you know, the other interesting thing is if you talk about the Jays-Mariners quote-unquote rivalry as it currently exists, it actually just exists with the fan bases. Yeah. Right? Mariners fans hate when Blue Jays fans invade that one weekend and everyone comes down from... That's the and, only time there's it. the there's been a rivalry. The yeah. rivalry has built been built on Vancouver fans. Yeah, being annoying. Yeah, go <laughs> being obnoxious take... and drunk. Yeah, and then yeah. Oh, now all of a sudden we're selling Blue well, Jays gear in our Well, it's something we're good show. at. Yeah, anyway... That's happening. There's my what we learned. Sean and Delta, that's for you, buddy. We appreciate your listenership. Moo, count me out of there. What do you guys got? A-Dog, you got anything? I do. Okay. Go. Yeah. Sorry, one sec. Are you choking? I'm okay. Are you going to die? Do you want me to do mine while you recover? I'll do mine. No. We can't We can't afford to lose you. We just got you back. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm good. Uh, Is yes. this because you ate a Sunday the other day? <laughs> I'm having run, run right, right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's my breakfast Sunday. What? <laughs> You don't have a breakfast Sunday? Yeah, what's wrong with you guys? Uh, yeah, I learned that Monday is a holiday for the Queen's funeral. Yes. yes. and But I also learned that it's... <laughs> <laughs> the, Queen's, the Queen's funeral is not on holiday. It's a holiday. <laughs> yeah. 
I really, really researched this, as you can tell. The Queen's um, funeral. No, yes. okay, hold, on, I, hold on, hold on. More interestingly than what I learned from that, though, is that it's not national. It's like, because Ontario isn't doing it, BC is. Right. No, it's Ontario, a federal holiday. But Ontario it, isn't recognizing it. At least based on the tweet I saw yesterday, they're not going to be okay. doing anything for it. Whereas you really BC, haven't researched this. <laughs> well, that's what they said on the, the Doug Ford was like, no, we're not. People are still going to work. Yeah. Um, the best part was when you put a question mark on funeral. Funeral? <laughs> I believe it's the Queen's funeral. But like here, it's a, it's a holiday for, I guess, government workers Children. and kids Children at school. Obviously not us, but. Yes. Uh, Parents are loving that, right? So yeah, federal so. workers have yeah. it off, even in Ontario. Okay. Yes. Uh, and then the, the, the Fed said, uh, I think they made a recommendation to the, the to the province and even to private sectors, mm-hmm. and then those the provinces make their own decision, Decide and the private sector makes its own decision. Um, I was not surprised in the least to see that the kids are going to be off school. So I got a question for you. Given y- your particular uh, affinity and respect for the monarchy... <laughs> And Her Majesty, can, can you negotiate a day off? And then can I ride on the coattails of that? I'll be like, yeah, I'm with him. I love that lady. Uh, like a religi- real- it's like a religious holiday for <laughs> she, Bruff of Swords. She was a real like queen, you know? Yeah, the only, you, you know, when you were, you were talking about uh, how I was getting annoyed with you and Sat talking during the Seahawks game? Yep. Not true. Okay. The only time I looked over with a bit of a dirty glance was for Sat who was complaining about the premiership games being canceled because yep. of the queen's passing. Yep. And I looked at him and I said, you respect that lady. You respect her. She is a saint. She had a 70 year reign. What have you done? That's right. How many corgis do you have? You have talked about the Canucks for 70 years, but <laughs> at least no, it seems like um, that. And they're punting a bunch of games this weekend too. Yeah, I know. Um, Manchester United and Leeds, the clash in Yorkshire. I, uh, I, I just they, wish... they don't have enough police available, right? Because they're, they're all going to be yeah. at the funeral. Funeral? What? Why can't they? Uh, why can't they just let the kids go to school and ha- like they can watch the funeral you in can, class? They can wheel in a TV like we had. When Do you we know were how hard school? it is for parents to be like, uh, you know, like oh, you've got in in like seven days. By the way, there's not going to be school. Yeah, I mean, I again. I understand the significance and how much this particular individual means to certain people. I get that. I do not want to offend those people. You know what? I mostly just don't want to see it. And it's already coming in to the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. I also, I also want to play both sides of the fence here. And I want to commiserate with the parents that are going to have a hard time with childcare on Monday because yeah. now there's a day off school that they didn't see coming. What percentage uh, of the, the kids that get the day off of school, will be watching any of the Queen's funeral. What time is it on here? Is oh. it like three in the morning? Well, I don't know when the pregame show is. We're coming to you live from Buckingham Palace. <laughs> they got to have better intro music than that. <laughs> they do the rollout. They, <laughs> they go, got the big trumpets or yeah. whatever. Oh, surely they should have done better there. <laughs> here comes Charles. Do you think we'll see Andrew today? I bet not. <laughs> Please give us a mook out before we get into trouble. Uh, I learned. Here come the corgis, one by one. Look at those little devils go. Their legs are so short. Okay. All so right. Asked, and here come the pretzels. Someone asked if we're going to be tailgating before the funeral. <laughs> 
my <laughs> god. Okay. Uh, I learned that uh, Live Golf's season-ending team championship is essentially going to be a big old money fight at Trump National Doral, Miami. Yeah, okay, explain this to me. Um, golfers, uh, of course, it's a, a Trump course. Golfers will compete for $50 million. $50 million! Mm-hmm. The richest purse in the sports history um, you know how they got these team competitions with the aces and the, the, I don't know. the gleekers? Oh, I still yeah. don't know what that means. <laughs> 12 four man teams will compete for a $16 million first place prize. Um, it's anyway. Hey, is lot, John Rom going to live? I don't think so, man. I think this is a false rumor. He's been pretty staunch in mm-hmm. his criticisms of, of. Oh, he has. Of, I, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, 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 I followed the Live v. PGA battle, but to be perfectly honest, it's hard to keep track of all the guys because at one point you think that they're like Cameron Smith. I assumed that he was a PGA guy. Yeah. But then Liv was like, do you want $100 million? He's like, good day. And then he yeah, left, yeah. right? And that was it. So I don't know where everyone stands. I know there's certain guys like Lowry's been really outspoken. Rory's been really outspoken. Tiger. But then all the other guys... I'm not going to lie. It feels like their services are up for grabs if the highest bidder comes through with something good. Yeah. So where's Rom in all this? I, I don't know. Okay. There's just there's rumors about John Rom. We'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. Okay. Um, Craig texts in. How do these live guys have so much cash? It's it's Saudi Arabia. They have a little bit of oil money. They've accumulated some oil money through the years. I don't know if you've heard about it. <laughs> Are we in trouble in the inbox yet or what? No, I mean, no, I don't think so. One person says you're going to jail for that joke. But you can, though. That's another thing that I learned. in the U- I didn't realize you could get arrested in the UK for making fun of the monarchy. I didn't realize that was a thing. Yeah, blasphemy. Yeah, you yeah. could actually, they can throw you in jail. Yeah, mm. They can't do that here, though. Even though the monarchy doesn't technically have any power, per se. Did anyone see social media on the day of her passing? It was... A gong show. Like, an absolute gong show. It took show. me by surprise, and, and, and even I, And even I, who believes that you should be able to laugh about literally anything... It went a bit far sometimes. It w- it was kind of like, ah, guys, this is... Could you wait ah, a day? <laughs> could you wait just... Ah, she, had a, she had 70 years. The craziest was... thing was to flip from British Twitter to Irish Twitter, because, man, that's polarizing. Yeah, I was... I w- you know what? Very few things surprise me how low people can go on social media and how far afield and like there's no time plus tragedy equals comedy. It's like tragedy happened. Let's make fun of it right away. Yeah. Even I was shocked. Yes. On, and myself on, too. And I'm I have I'm tasteless on, and I am on the Queen's passing you know? day. I was shocked <laughs> at how quickly everyone went in every direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like Americans almost feel this need to. Um, even though it was hundreds of years ago that they declared their independence and had their revolution, that they still feel the need, like, hey, remember, uh, we fought our way away from you. I mean, (laughs) Like, yeah, we get it, you're independent. You guys have been quite prominent the last couple hundred years. I think the other part of it, too, is that the royal family has so crossed over into the world of celebrity. Totally. That they do get treated like, honestly, people look at them sometimes like Kardashians. Or like the OJ jokes. Right. Right. Like, like there's where, re- where we forget there were two people murdered. Right. And that's kind of where we're at with the monarchy, except that we've been given very staunch reminders yeah. that this is taken seriously by a lot of people in light of the fact that we're mm-hmm. getting, uh, you know, kids aren't going to school on Monday because of it. And, you know, like 
the, the country came to a screeching standstill last weekend, right? They wiped out the Premier League games, and there was a lot of pushback on that, let me tell you. Not yeah. just sat, right? There was a lot of people. Well, there's a lot of mixed feelings about the monarchy. A lot <laughs> oh, of people yes. think it think it represents colonialism. Um, yeah, yeah. Go to Ireland and ask them what they, they thought about uh, the monarchy let's during not, the Troubles, right? Like, yeah, let's yeah, not yeah. get let's into not this, this too much, let's but I recognize it. I but, used to tour with a bunch of British and Irish guys, and we would have conversations about that, and oh my goodness. As a, just a distant Canadian, I'm like, wow, you guys... Don't see eye to eye on this one. But I don't think it's wrong to have a few laughs about this. Like this is, this is, I mean, it's obviously like it's, I, I, I was looking at uh, and reading some articles about just like the big plan that they had in order, like, cause they knew the queen was going to die. Uh, yeah. so they obviously had this, this big plan. I mean, like it is a big thing to put together. How many sports talk radio shows can transition from are we going to tailgate to the funeral to let's talk about the geopolitical importance of the royal? One listener wants to know if we're going to have a watch party. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of being treated like that, though, yeah, right? Oh, it, is. it is. Very much so. Yeah. I it's going to do big numbers on TV, like guaranteed. Well, I, I, I was, so, so I, I have a. I Coming have a, to you live from the Pines. It's the queen, six feet under. Like that's, oh what we're, that's where we're at right now. Well, I have a friend who works a, a government job and I think in, in his office, there is a picture of the queen and now he's been told that he needs to get a picture of King Charles. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's what our economy is going to be based on. A lot of like re- replacing Queen Elizabeth pictures yeah, with, sh- with with King Charles. Should pictures. we hoard like uh, any sort of currency with her image on it? Uh, How does it work? Do they take it out of cir- circulation right away? Is it a slow, gradual no, no, process? I don't think it's right away. It's Do like I- all your queen money is no longer good, <laughs> <laughs> sir. I'm sorry. You keep putting it in the vending machine. Why can't <laughs> we just use Canadian icons instead of? I mean, I don't really care one way or another, but at this point in, in time, why would we not just... Well, we do have Canadian icons. No, I know, but, yeah. but just yeah. in, in general, just don't worry about the king. Just Because it's a figurehead of, the, of, our, of our system of government. Who, yeah. would you, who would you put on the money if you could pick a Canadian? Would it be like Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> <laughs> well, Terry Fox comes to mind. Yeah, I don't know if I'd put him one. on everything, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a... Spectrum, you can go go down. Nobody uses coins anymore, anyway. So it's true. Red, green. Yes, there we go. Add the sock. Uh, you could be on a five dollar. I would like to apologize for all the listeners that sent in text into what we learned, and now I'm going to run through them very, very quickly. That's eight fifty. Dang it! Sorry. Table Sorry. saw James. What we learned: Alec Manoa needs to negotiate better sick day coverage into his next contract after pitching a game the same day he had an IV in his arm. Uh, what we learn on sign text from being at the Jays game last night, being there. Oh yeah, it's four one six area code. Uh, if the team is locked in, the Jays have a legit chance at winning the World Series. Yeah, of course they do. I I think the key the key is Barrios. Like if if they can bring in if they can have three solid starters, mm-hmm. and obviously Manoa is one of them, and I guess Stripling like. We, Manoa Gossman and then insert, or Gossman yeah. in, Manoa Gossman yeah. then insert third guy here. I like Ross Stripling, the chicken strip. Like, when was the last time? So, when the Jays uh, went to the playoffs last, correct me if I'm wrong, they had one legit starter. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to go back and look at the rotation to see how it shook look, out. Look, I think it was. Yeah. But I, but I, and, think, he, and he lost. Yeah. But I bet he didn't pitch every game. I'm just, I can't remember the rotation off the top of my head. I apologize. I'm too busy. I think looking they at had it. a bullpen start. In 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 their second game, didn't now, they get didn't they get I swept hate, like two straight? By I the can't way, remember 
I, so I've been paying much more attention to the Jays the last few weeks because I feel like it's pertinent for the future of our job. Um, I hate bullpen starts. I hate bullpen games. I don't like them. I thought I might. I remember when it got introduced, and I remember Sergio Romo was sort of the first with with the Rays. I hate it. It because you're a traditionalist. You're getting old now. It take, but it also like, there's so many changes in the game, right? There's a there's another quality outing from Kikuchi who went two and a third and only gave up two <laughs> runs. Anyway, oh, here's one from. Uh, did we do a Chef Swagger one already? Uh, okay. No, I don't think so. Uh, what we learned from Chef Swagger, this is important because we just booked this guest. Uh, the Fraser Valley Bandits have rebranded as the Vancouver Bandits after being sold to a local ownership group, becoming the first of the CEBL's original six teams to secure independent ownership. Andy, what have you done on the booking front? Yeah, Brian, and I'm sorry, I don't know the pronunciation of his last name perfectly. Brian Slusarchuk. One of the co-owners of the Bandits. I think that's right. Uh, he'll be with us 6.30 on Friday to talk about the rebranding. Okay, nice. Yeah. Uh, I, I like, the, I was a little curious yeah. uh, about this text from Minor Matt in Abbotsford. Okay. I learned that Pat Vendit, am I pronouncing this right, is the first amphibious pitcher to take to the Major League Baseball mound Explain. in 20 years. I hope you looked this up. Um, was, did, oh, news, the newspaper gave him this was in 2015 i guess there was a headline that said instead of ambidextrous amphibious amphibious, okay which means he also is good in water yeah that's a fish thing okay so in 2015 they had uh r.a dickey mark burley marco estrada drew hutchinson and then remember remember they traded for david price i forgot david price played for the blue jays you remember that yeah, David Price. Yeah, yeah, it was it was uh, it was a good time, not a long time. Mm-hmm. He was gone right after, but yeah, that. So they had they had a, a very different looking rotation back in the day. God, I forgot about R. A. Dickey too. I miss knuckleballers. Uh, what we learned: reports show roof ring beam of the saddle dome is crumbling. Really? Oh God. I, I guess we shouldn't uh, take everything that goes into the Dunbar Lumber text line as run with it, right? Uh, yeah, but man. it wouldn't surprise me. Saddle dome's old, man. It's been through a lot. Is it the oldest stadium flood? now in the it's, NHL? Yeah, it's, it is. Right? It's got to be the worst. Uh, non-renovated, like Madison Square Garden got a right. massive yeah, renovation. Yeah, sorry, non-renovated. Um, yeah. We need to confirm that Saddledome is the worst rink in the NHL, right? That's That kind of is the understanding. It's usually on the bottom, yes. Yeah. Consist- San Jose would be up there now as to, in terms of old arenas. But I don't think it's Well, Rogers, Rogers Arena is one of the oldest arenas in the NHL in terms of- Yeah, like, that's true. You know, uh, but I they're not. It, but they're not considered. But Rogers bad, Arena isn't right? bad. No, no, it's good. Yeah, yeah. People like frequently make fun of the Saddle Dome dressing rooms. Right. Prior, if you, if you prior to them, oh, that yeah, yeah. it was it was NASA like That was actually why I think the Islanders rink. Was that's why bad. The, the Saddle Dome liked having NASA Arena in the fold because it mean, meant that they weren't the worst. But yeah, the Saddle Dome. Was, did you see that video that they after they signed? God, was it Kadri? I can't remember. There was one of them, and they kind of did the tour. Right. And brought them through, and then they did a, a jersey <laughs> donning in the dressing room, mm-hmm. and everyone was like, "Damn, you live like this! Like, what's wrong with your dressing room?" It yeah. was really, and then people were like, "Oh, it's an auxiliary dressing room," and they're like, "Even then, right? It's the, the facilities are old, and old older facilities are often, often smaller, right? You know what rink stinks? Boston's. You said that a few times. I've never seen a game there. It's bad like, man, like it yeah. just smells bad, or it's bad. It's it bad. Never nice in the dressing rooms. I don't know. Maybe they've improved in uh, the last decade, but 
they weren't great, especially the visitors. It was like it was like a it was like a beer league. Someone game. said it was when they introduced Mackenzie Weger. So that was it. So thank you for that. Uh, it's been a show, folks. It has certainly been a show. We went in so many different directions. I wasn't sure where we were going to go in. Hopefully, we'll be back on the air yeah, tomorrow. I'm, I'm I'm sorry if we need to apologize. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who, but if you were offended by anything you heard over the last two hours and 55 minutes, we do apologize for it. we got to get out of here for now, but I think we'll be back tomorrow. Signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He has been the A-Dog. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.